Hello and welcome to OL Certified. My name is Mo. Today's topic is the influences of spirituality and religion. Joining me today is an author of a new novel herself, Follow Me, Tattered Veils, Jessica Donegan. At the end of this podcast, we'll point out Jessica's Goodreads authors page for any follow-up listener questions. Hello, Jessica. How are you today? Hello, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on OL Certified. And thanks to everyone for listening and coming with me on this writer's read-along. So, Jessica, I was wondering what your thoughts were on how spirituality and religion played into the narrative of your book, Follow Me, Tattered Veils. You know, that's a great question. For me, I think if there's a fine line when talking about religion and spirituality uh, specifically because I write in a urban fantasy genre. I want to portray the spiritualities and religions that I talk about or write about in a way that's realistic to modern audiences and that tackle some of the relevant questions, concerns, similarities that you might find between them. But I'm also often playing on those myths and those legends, especially in older pagan forums, to create this magical other world element. So it's a balancing act, both taking them seriously, considering how you might how someone may worship them or reading essays on how someone may follow that faith today, and then extrapolating out to a more magical or a more unreal experience. I noticed that Roxy has a very defined worldview and perspective shaped predominantly by her alternative faith, which plays a very dynamic role within the story. For me, and probably many other readers, this creates a gap between what Roxy knows as her faith and how she arrives at her worldview, and our ability as readers to follow along. This is a very different approach than we see in other novels where the main character evolves along with the reader, and introduces the reader to how that story narrative flows. Can you share some of your thoughts on why you went this route, flipping this traditional trope? Mm. So Roxy's spirituality is definitely interesting. I gave her an intentionally minority perspective in the USA. I think we can all agree the majority experience, even if you're not of that faith, is a Christian faith here in the U.S., and it's interesting to look at that from someone who might be outside that group collective knowledge. So I don't think any of us escape knowing like the basics of Christmas and Jesus here in the U.S. You'd probably be hard-pressed to find someone who didn't know a very basic outline. And taking that, showing how that interacts, and talking about what someone else's experience might be, I took a pagan perspective on that partially because it's a it's very small minority and it has a lot of different diverse beliefs. And I felt like some of those beliefs would be really fun to explore and to look at more critically and play with especially a monotheistic approach versus a polytheistic approach. It's just like a very different perspective to bring up and bring forward. And it wasn't to say that either was right or wrong. I think as far as spirituality goes, everyone's what people bring to the table and their own experience and belief is valid. And definitely, I want to hear all those perspectives and explore those perspectives. I find religion and spirituality fascinating. But I did want to bring something that was more unconventional to the table 
and that a lot of people in the U.S. wouldn't have any experience or background with, which for me specifically was like, instead of an an ideology that focuses on good versus bad or right versus wrong, just a whole bunch of multiple perspectives and not casting any judgment or assertions as to what is right and wrong. It's interesting, too, to do that where you take a powerful non-godlike creature like um, Jerry is in the myth, and his perspective is mostly damaging for humans. So I guess we could probably ascribe it to being bad. But it's just interesting because when you go into his head, that's not how he sees himself. He sees himself as out there and having fun and, you know, just exploring things and seeing what the extreme ends are. Humans don't like extremes, especially the kind of extremes that Jerry seems to bring to situations. But I just thought playing with those different elements, those different angles would be a lot of fun. Beyond that, in fantasy in general, you'll find that there's a lot of references to older myths or there's a lot of building on pagan roots to create magical systems or to create even unique lore within fantasy often stems from a mythic root that we already have established somewhere. So, you know, I already have that influence being a massive fantasy reader of what the magical system looks like, what those origins are, and I thought bringing that forward, especially in a pagan story, would be really interesting for other fantasy readers to see, because they're already familiar with a lot of those things. They know about the different mythic gods from other things they've read, or even from traditional classical literature, and they're familiar with how magic usually works, how those rituals were. So it was bringing an element of the familiar and setting it some way that it's that is less traditional because most fantasies happen in a medieval time period. Contemporary fantasy happens here in our world. So how do you transform that into something that you can see both working in that like old medieval time, like, oh, I know how this works in old medieval time and how it works here in the modern world. So I was really trying to balance a lot of different elements with it. Okay, let's talk about some specifics here. Roxy wears an iron key around her neck, and it keeps Jerry from approaching her because apparently it's his kryptonite. Was this intentional on Roxy's part, an element of her practice, or is this just a happy coincidence? Yeah, that's definitely something that I was playing with, too. You know, Roxy is coming at this whole thing from a certain kind of mindset. She's fallen from traditional Italian, Greco-Roman, Etruscan belief. And she's using a very traditional form of witchcraft from those areas. They include avoiding the Jatora, which is the evil eye, and the different ways that that can, the different ways you can even accidentally, in her belief, cast that kind of curse. In traditional Italian culture, you could just even be envious and cast the evil eye that way. Younger people are more susceptible to it than older people, and there's a whole bunch of different charms that they use to either avoid accidentally cursing other people or to protect themselves from the curse. And one of those things are often talismans that happen to be iron. So a horseshoe, for example, for your door is supposed to help the evil eye. And horseshoes, they're made out of iron. Putting the railroad stakes down your property and saying, this land is mine and I'm protecting it from the evil eye. What are railroad stakes? They happen to be iron. 
Um, the key that Roxy is wearing is also like a talisman that protects you from the Jator traditionally. What is the key made out of? It happens to be iron. Now, if you go and you look at Celtic slash Irish folklore and you look at the Fae over there, there is crossover between the evil eye and like what you would use in Italy to protect yourself from the evil eye and what you would use in Ireland to protect yourself from the Fae. In this case, Fae are almost always universally weak to iron. The properties of those items are incidental. They just happen to be iron. Their iron properties isn't, it's the shape. Um, most of the time in, you know, in Italian folklore that makes them good against protecting against the evil eye. And in Ireland, while they also use stakes and horseshoes like this uh, to keep traveling fay out, and if you can't keep traveling fay out, there's, there's a whole bunch of procedures you do that are totally separate. But there's the material. You need the iron. It's not... It's not the shape, it's the material. So I just found that was like an interesting connecting point where I could take two very classic mythologies and take this one over overlapping element and it's working to Roxy's advantage. And because she's, you know, followed all this different folklore, trying to figure out exactly what her own belief system is and what God she's going to follow and work with, she sort of vaguely remembers this element of Irish folklore that doesn't necessarily apply to her. And certainly when she was putting up her protections, it was to protect against the evil eye, not against Faye. But it happens that there's this connecting element there that really works to her advantage. And that was something, too, like within different faiths and mythologies that I thought was really cool, like that you could look across different ones. And even though the aspects that each element focused on were different, like in Ireland, it's the iron portion. And in Italy, it's the shape of those elements. They have this connector like, hey, Irish people usually do use railroad stakes and horseshoes because that's usually what iron was used for at that time. And, hey, Italian people usually do protect themselves using iron because they believe in these horseshoes and railroad stakes. Like in most Italian households, Roxy grew up Roman Catholic. Crushes were displayed year-round at home, and images of the Last Supper and crucifixes hung on the walls. Daily reminders of God and His presence weigh heavy on Roxy's childhood. Church every Sunday, followed by a big family dinner. Red sauce simmering, hand-rolled meatballs, fresh garden herbs perfumed her memories. A strong family presence and a constant relationship with God. What more could any child desire? Roxy's grandparents offered advice like, eat basil for luck and love and money, and leave a sprig of rosemary for remembrance by graves. They crafted all manner of God's eyes to help prevent the jitura. A horseshoe hung over her grouchy grandmother's door to protect her from the evil eye and to prevent her from ever accidentally casting the most dreaded curses. Roxy grew up petitioning Mary and Joseph for miracles. There are many saints in the Catholic universe, and each is a patron of its own specialized problem. Go through them, never to God directly. He's too busy and removed from the plight of man. Let the saints, with their combination of empathy and wisdom, move your prayer to its best result. Roxy knows a world filled with magic and divine intervention. 
just was interesting to me. That was a wellspring of information. Thank you, Jessica. I really appreciate your taking the time to speak with us on the topic of spirituality and religion. Hey, we're just about out of time. I wanted to mention that Jessica Donegan will take questions on this podcast and her book, Follow Me, Tattered Veils, on her Goodreads Authors page. You can navigate to that page via the shortcut URL bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash Q, the number four, J-E-S-S. That's bit.ly slash questions for Jessica. And lastly, a reminder, Follow Me, Tattervales is now available on Amazon, and you can get to it via a shortcut URL, bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash Roxy, R-O-X-I dash star, S-T-A-R-R. That's bit.ly slash Roxy star. Hey, Jessica, thank you again for spending time with us today on OL Certified. Thank you for having me. Thank you.